You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Okay, for this episode, we're going to be talking about the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. In the room, I have Rob and Ben. Mm -hmm. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band is the eighth studio album by the English rock band The Beatles, released 26th of May, 1967 in the UK on Parlophone, and the 2nd of June, uh, 1967 in the United States on Capitol Records. It was produced by George Martin, and the genre is rock, pop, psychedelic, art rock, broke, pop, progressive, you know... Proto-progressive, all those good... Country and Western. Everything. Hip-hop. Yeah, essentially. After an exhausting tour and diverging musical pursuits, the Beatles soon realized that their touring days were coming to an end as the Revolver tracks couldn't be accurately recreated in a traditional live band setting. In February of 1967, after recording the title track, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, McCartney suggested that the Beatles should release an entire album representing a performance by the fictional Sgt. Pepper Band... This alter ego group would then give them the freedom to experiment musically. During the recording sessions, the band furthered the technological progression they had made with their 1966 album Revolver. Producer George Martin and engineer Jeff Emmerich helped realize the group's ideas by approaching the studio as an instrument, applying orchestral overdubs, sound effects, and other methods of tape manipulation. I'm going to read a review by All Music's uh, Steve Irwine. With Revolver, the Beatles made the great leap forward, reaching a previously unheard of level of sophistication and fearless experimentation. Sgt. Pepper in many ways refines that breakthrough as the Beatles consciously synthesize such disparate influences as psychedelic, classical music, rock and roll, and music hall, often in the course of one song. Not once does it seem forced. The genius of the record is how the vaudevillian When I'm 64 seems like a logical extension of Within You, Without You, and how it provides a gateway to the chiming guitars of Lovely Rita. There's no discounting the individual contributions of each member or their producer, George Martin. But the whimsy and self-conscious art gives the impression that Paul McCartney is the leader of the Lonely Hearts Club band. He dominates the album in terms of compositions, setting the tone for the album with his unabashed uh, melodicism and devilishly clever arrangements. In comparison, Lennon's contributions seem fewer, but his major statements are stunning. It's possible to argue that there are better Beatles albums, yet no album is as hi- historically important as this. After Sgt. Pepper, there were no rules to follow. Rock and pop bands could try anything, for better or worse. Ironically, few tried to achieve the sweeping, all-encompassing embrace of music as the Beatles did here. What did we think of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hard Club band? I could take it or leave it. I loved it as a child. Would you like to <laughs> tell me more? <laughs> All right, we're done, right? Is that it? <laughs> Cut. Um, 
Ben, do you want to uh, go first? Uh, yeah, sure. First of all, so this is supposed to be a concept record by this fictional band, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I'd, I'd never really I realized that like before. Concept by the Beatles to be I mean, the, there's, but, this band. So, like, the the artist statement is, like, this is a collection of 13 songs by our alter egos, Sgt. Pepper's Heart, Lonely Hearts Club Band. Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's it's just branching out, I would say, in terms of there, there were some other bands at the time that were sort of collectives, and this was just a, a, a way to be, I mean, to be artistic, to be kind of strange, to be out there, not just say, hey, we're not just the Beatles, we're in this garb, you know, we... We we are presenting an idea. Yeah, they, they definitely dressed differently. Yeah, but it sounds like a Beatles record. It sounds like like at this point, it sounded it sounds like it, you can't argue that it wasn't revolutional uh, when it or rev. Come on, you got it. Revol. It wasn't a revolutionary. What's the word I'm looking for? It's revolutionary. Revolutionary. Re- yes, it was revolutionary when it came <laughs> out. Uh, and you know, and it did break all the rules, but. At the end of the day, if you look at their 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 whole portfolio of albums together, their their the the life's work of the band, it sounds like a Beatles record. It doesn't sound like like oh, this was the one that they wrote as their alter egos. But this one is when they break out. I mean, Revolver was using the studio, and it kind of sounds like the Beatles. This one they're putting in the, all that vaudevillian. They're, they're mixing everything in. They know that they're not going to go on tour mm-hmm. and do these songs live. So they're saying, why not just throw everything, the kitchen sink in here and try to recreate essentially pet sounds is what they were trying to do is is Man, become they, the most orchestrated they missed the you know, rock album. <laughs> <laughs> they missed the boat on that so one. So for sake of argument... This is like I, I'm. I'm sorry if I'm harping on this. I just never heard this that before. That this is supposed to be an album by quote Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Well, I mean, they come right out and say it in the first track, and then reiterate it. In the yeah, second, that's. The last I mean, track. it's it's presented as a concept. I don't think mm-hmm. that they they weren't trying to fool anybody. A lot of times they're saying that the Beatles are breaking the fourth wall of you know saying that. We know you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. This is it's almost presented as a TV show or a you know vaudevillian show, and so instead of being being there live at the show, they they mix in the audience laughing and the audience applauding and that sort of thing. I mean, All right. As a fan of the presidency of the United States, their second record is uh, they they absolutely rap it the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and then the uh, second to last track. Goodbye, ladies and gentlemen. Like so, I'm all I'm all on board. Also, fucking Pink Floyd Wall. Like, right. Same yeah. same diff, but okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I that that's the least of the things that I, <laughs> I I take umbrage with on this record. Um, what do you take umbrage with? Let me tell Rob? you this. Uh, I'll have, let's start with the things I don't take umbrage with. Okay. I, I think uh, start, the good, short list. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good to start out with a, <laughs> a little positive. Uh, I think that uh, She's Leaving Home is a fucking great song. That song rips. Yeah. It's very, very pretty. The trailer works on it. It's amazing. I, I don't even know who wrote it. I actively didn't look. I'm hoping it's George. Uh, <laughs> no, that... it is not. It's a Leonard McCartney. Damn it. Yeah, I would, I would oh, guess me. <laughs> a McCartney, but I'm going to double check for sure. Go ahead. Oh, they got me. Yeah, um, Leonard McCartney. Damn them. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're... They're good at stuff. Uh, Dude is totally a Paul song. Oh, fuck. 
Well, I guess we can just we'll start from the top. Uh, title track. Okay, thanks George Martin for the string arrangement or for the horn arrangements. I think he did the horn arrangements on this, right? He did. Okay. Yeah. So thanks George Martin. Um, yeah, the fifth Beatle. Yeah. yeah. I get by. Uh, they fit so many faces on that front cover. They couldn't squeeze George Martin in there somewhere. <laughs> and they, they've, they've gotten fucking W.C. Fields, and they can't put George Martin in there. How do you know he's not in there? Because I've got a Beatles book that's got a, a, a map of like everyone that's on I there. I thought he was like it's behind on. the bass drum. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that, isn't that the actual album, too? In like, yeah, the minor yeah, notes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, but, but yeah, uh, She's Leaving Home I really liked, and... Uh, I'm not that big of a fan of the verses to Lucy in the Sky, but the the actual chorus hook is great. Yeah, um, it's a good hook. But yeah, everything else just like I, I, I know just how important this record is because I can recognize so many records that I actually enjoy. Being like, oh yeah, this fucking record, like, the there, entire career of ELO. Yeah, there's no ELO without this record. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they they were actively trying to do this, and they did it so much better. That it's, <laughs> it, it's great, and I love all of their stuff. Um, that and uh, also a few of these tracks uh, had a day in the life. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne copped uh, off of No More Tears. Uh, the breakdown is absolutely the exact same thing. Hmm. Um, but no, I just I uh, man, I I can't. I just can't hang with it. Like it it doesn't rock enough when it's supposed to, and I. Honestly, I think there's a, a decent amount of filler that, like... What would I, you I, consider the filler Yeah, tracks? what would you consider a filler? Because uh, the only song I could possibly uh, kind of think, eh, so-so on is uh, Good Morning, Good Morning. Lovely Rita? I, I like Lovely Rita. I, I, the, I it, do not it, necessarily need Mr. Kite in my life. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, I, I like that. Well, of course. Yeah. Henry the Horse dances the waltz. Yeah. Um, he does. <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> I wrote next to fixing a hole. Why is this happening to me? I don't yeah. find that song offensive at all. And that, yeah, I don't know, guys. Like uh, again, the the one thing that surprised me with the Beatles was that I really, really liked Rubber Soul, and everything that's happened since then is just like a lot of eye rolling and things that I won't go back and revisit because it, I think that the music that I enjoy did the work for me. And I don't have to listen to the Beatles because they've already influenced like bands I actually enjoy. Okay, um, so, it, so you're recognizing their oh I, 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 their uh, innovation I, and and sort of what they were creating with this album, but you don't particularly don't, find the music that is being made, uh, you yeah, know, I, engaging. I, yeah, I, I would, uh, you know, if we're it, Yes, you're correct there, and if we were to take it a step further as far as British Invasions is, is concerned, I would say, um, give me the kinks any day of the week. Like, I can actually enjoy those tunes. Like, I, I listen to them and I actively enjoy them. I think that I've, I'm coming to the realization that maybe I've known for a while, but I've never been able to put it, like, to, like, formulate it as a complete thought. When it comes to the effect of controlled substances on rock and roll music, I'm down with that concept. But when it comes to which controlled substances, I like music that's powered by alcohol. I like music that's powered by weed. I like music that's powered by cocaine. I like music that's powered by heroin. Like, I like the Velvet Underground. I like that stuff. I'm not that into music that's powered by LSD. It's just, give me, give the musicians I'm listening to any other drug, I guess. Picture yourself in a boat on a river 
with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly. A girl with kaleidoscope eyes. Cellophane flowers of yellow and green towering over your head. Look for the girl with the sun in her eyes, and she's So this record spent 27 weeks at number one on the UK charts and 15 weeks at number one in the US. Wasn't it? It was still there when Magical Mystery Tour came out, right? Yeah, I would imagine. 27 weeks is... Yeah. Uh, can, can I... Or, to formalize my, sort of my opinion of these songs, it's, I think it's, it's great. I, I feel like I don't have a concept of these songs and it's very hard to listen to them with any sort of not having a predisposition of I was basically born with these songs you know they've yeah. been around us uh, our entire lives so for anyone to come into it and, and and try and pick out something new is is very very strange I love the playfulness that the Beatles do and what they're they're trying to take it they're always trying to push it a bit further and yeah, some of the songs probably don't work that well, but I love the creativity and the way that a lot of the songs, you know, they transform as as you're listening to them. Like they will go into classic example, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, like stops, breaks into the chorus, then it goes back into the, the verses and the verses are sort of like a s surreal poetry. And it's all just very, you know, it's so arty in sort of art for art's sake of let's just see how how we can do this let's see if we can make the how we can make these guitars sound and you know most of the time i think they pull off something that is just interesting to listen to just so out there that you have to stand up and say wow someone someone's trying they're they're mm -hmm. doing something the amount of money they were rolling in at this point in time and the things that they could do in the studio because they had the amount of time and money to spend like doing that like it put everyone else at such a disadvantage for like the amount of money they could spend the amount of time they could actually do a record and this is the outcome like this is the best thing they could put forward at this point in time and it's not as good as some of their earlier work. Well, public opinion would disagree. Yeah, what I was going to say. Yeah, absolutely. Really? Many people believe this is um, this is peak Beatles. This is peak Beatles, huh. including uh, we we had kind of gone. I looked up the Rolling Stone list because like they had their 500 greatest albums of all time. This is number one. Really, really? Rolling Stone. Yes. God. It <laughs> So Rubber Soul, I think uh, it was in it was in the top five, but this is number one. Number uh, two, I believe, was Pet Sounds. That's and you know they're coming from it out of very you know people are looking back and it, it's a little uh, dated, obviously, but at the same time, this is I find it strange that you say like oh they could spend so much money so they made this. Are you saying that 
it isn't very good. They, they spend all the money, and you don't think it's very good. I, I, I don't think it's as good of thing as some of the records they had put out previously. Yeah, um, like to to me to to to, but, to my jaded ears. Yeah, um, but I think it's just as creative and interesting. They're they're pushing things in different directions. George Martin is doing this whole Raga thing. He got uh, Lennon doing George Martin doing it. Oh, sorry, uh, Harrison. George Harrison. Yeah. Uh, the third Beatle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm skipping some Beatles. In the day in the life, I, I've you always gone to. I've life. always gone back to that song. I mean, that's one of the most creative songs, especially leading up to that time of just saying, "Let's put this big orchestra. Let's do this. Let's drop down." You know the way it transitions within the song. Paul's dead. You know. It's. <laughs> I do know. It's just a. It's interesting. I don't know. I find the songs always engaging and catchy at the same time, but also uh, there there's songs that you that are not the hits that you can go back and and listen to. It's strange too that they did so they did Strawberry Fields Forever before this album. So it's like not a, on a, an album then. Single, yeah. It, I think it was just released later as uh, cut one of sixty four. Put Strawberry Fields on. I was wondering about that. I was wondering if they if they would have put you know something done that how how that would have been received because it seems like it it's right along. This one seems. Is the only they one couldn't that seems cut when I'm 64 because apparently oh, they based the whole album about yeah. around it, right? <laughs> they just started with that one. Uh, so this one was used recording four track equipment, uh, although eight track tape recorders were available in the U.S. at the time. But with previous Beatles albums, they were they used it extensively the use of a technique known as uh, reduction mixing. You know about this, right? Oh. Please explain. Okay, <laughs> in which one of four tracks from one recorder are mixed and dubbed down into a master four-track machine. So basically, you need more tracks, you basically have to bounce it. I like that you're using you your bounce, hands and talking to me for, on a podcast, though. Well, I, I, <laughs> it's really... <laughs> but I can talk to you about this. You're right here. You can see it. All this mic work, too, is, I find, completely I, engaging. I, I just wrote, they've officially run out of things to sing about. Echo, <laughs> echo parts, cool dudes. I think one of the things that bothers me about uh, this record, which I don't dislike, but I could never really put my finger on it. And maybe it is that maybe you could file this under that. Apparently it's by this band, Sergeant Pepper's only Hertz Club band. The songs like we're listening to lovely Rita right now, which is about a meter made. Yeah. The songs on this record are either about drugs or kind of jack shit. Like they've got songs about drugs They've got a song about a meter maid. They've got a song about uh, a dude that's going to a circus. You know, they've got it. It's like where is the where is the conflict? Where's the struggle and strife? Where's even like like a heartfelt love song? They're present in Beatles records before and Beatles records after. Like uh, I think like compared to Sgt. Pepper's, I think that like Revolver. It just it, it sounds like it wants to be taken more seriously, where Sgt. Pepper is almost subject matter wise, it's like a bumbling cartoon, and lo and behold, not a year later they're going to become bumbling cartoons. Yeah, I think they definitely. I, I don't know if I would say cartoon because at the time it was, this was not. I don't know if anybody would have seen this as a you know like cartoonish. Although they are you know wearing the bright garb of, mm-hmm. you know, the 
Edwardian. Like other, uh, I guess again, other than a day in the life. Yeah. Like that. Like musically, it's it's. But she's leaving home. Yeah. And getting better all the time. It's getting better all the time. I used to get mad at my school. The teachers that taught me weren't cool. They're holding me down, turning me around, filling me up with your rules. I've got to admit, it's getting better. It weren't for like the John Lennon counterpoint in the background of it couldn't get much worse. I think like that song. I think it's another song kind of like about nothing, you know, just like it's getting better. Like Rob said, yeah, well, you know, good for you, good for you, Beatles. <laughs> you <kind of laughs> just cynical. <laughs> but, but I, I, I think like there's like the classic Lennon McCartney, like the the. The Reese's peanut butter cup of optimism and cynicism, I think, is what makes the best Beatles songs work. And I don't think "Getting Better" is one of the best Beatles songs, but I do, I do like that point and counterpoint that the two songwriters have throughout their career as a, as an example in that song. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Uh, let's talk about the cover. Well, musically, I just want to say, I I think the recording. How it's recorded, the quality, and how it's presented is actually pretty incredible. It's incredible that they they did it, they pulled it off, and and that uh, sonically, you know, how it just sounds on the record is is very cool. Rob saying, yeah, maybe. I mean, I I, I, I won't argue that it doesn't sound yeah good. Like the the guitar tone, the guitar tones on it are are great for the most part. I'm just not that big of a fan of like, all right, let's slow the uh, tape down and uh, John go ahead and sing as high as you can. That way, when we speed it up, it's gonna be this like that sort of studio manipulation. I, I it, it just it it bores me. Yeah. Um, you know, and cool. It was this is an important document that yeah. I'm sure will be listened to ad nauseum for the next four or 500 years. How do you feel about like going back 10 years, like the, the slap back effect on old like sun studios recordings? Cause that was kind of using the studio as an instrument almost. I mean, that was applying an effect. No, no, it was the shape of the room. They had a microphone in one, they had the amplifier facing the wall because and then they, they had the microphone because next. they couldn't make anything this big to allow that to happen. That's cool. Like go record in a fucking tunnel. There's great acoustics. Like I, I don't think that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. That's just a room in the studio, though. That isn't fucking like Conky the uh, the robot like <laughs> slowing tapes down and like mixing himself. Well, then, like, what do you think about uh, like tape delay? Like some early Brian Eno shit. Cool. I mean, what what do I think about analog delay? Period. I use it consistently. I also use phasers. I use all kinds of things. I, I think but, that stuff's cool. Well, and and sure, it, it's it's fine. But like it, to to continue to harp on the idea, and and again, this is very early, and I know that like the idea of like oh, we can we can do manipulations in the studio. What a what a what a cool thing. Like. Yeah, revolutionary, sure. I just don't really necessarily enjoy the output on this one. Well, fair enough. You so, know. 
Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I I think. I mean, <clears throat> since I brought it up, I think you're you're kind of having a the reaction that well, it's great. Yeah, go ahead and use all that stuff, but still, when it comes down to it, if it, the songs don't, it needs to be a rock song, it, or it needs to be a song that I you know that, that you affects enjoy. me, right? Like yeah. specifically, like I, I can you know I I can sit down and listen into all kinds of things. You got against meter maids. <laughs> I can listen to all kinds of things that I I don't have an active appreciation for yet still appreciate the work that went into doing it and just kind of go, well, why did this happen? I don't really understand. Like, you know, fucking, uh, Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor. There was all kinds of things that happened in that movie. There were a lot of people involved and a whole lot, like everyone put their heart and soul into it. And it's still a shitty movie. Would you call Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band the Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor of rock music? <laughs> Just go ahead and put that as the tagline. I wish... No, I don't wish this. Fuck, fuck that. Uh, I, w- I came to the Beatles late, and it doesn't grab me. Cool. Uh, very cool cover. I was oh, going yeah. to mention having all those a collage of people with with the Beatles revolutionary kind of cover there. Man, there's some um, shit in there too, man. Yeah. There's he, some some weird things. Uh weird people. Paul's dead, you know. <laughs> and Paul's dead. <laughs> Just going to play that at the end of this episode. <laughs> Wait, who's the egg man? Uh <laughs> Well, <laughs> don't worry, you'll find out <laughs> on a future episode. <laughs> Who the Eggman John, is, and who the Walrus wait, are, is. Are we, is Magical Mystery Tour in this fucking book? Of course it is, dude. <clears throat> oh my goodness. No, I can only is, is imagine help in here? that... Or that already no, happened? No, that, that already happened. happened. That, which I was disappointed. I, I, I like, like help. help. Yeah. It has some very good songs. I imagine we will get White Album. We're gonna get White Album. We're gonna get Abbey Road. Abbey Road. Yeah. Yeah. Those are we gonna get Let It Be? That is that is a question, though. Uh, <laughs> not sure. Guys, I'm, I'm so excited for us. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll have more discussions. <laughs> I like the Beatles. I in, oh. I enjoy the Beatles' career. The roly-poly, hippy-dippy Beatles is my least favorite part of their entire career. I like them before that, and I like them after that better. Mm-hmm. I don't hate the stuff, but in my, my personal aesthetic, it's, it's the stuff that I don't choose to listen to. Okay. I will give them this much. It's an incredible amount of output in such a very short amount of time. That for, it is. For that, yeah. that band. That, that, that's unheard of nowadays. Uh, for me, I, 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 I'm going to say don't bother. But You're going to put know, a negative on it? Someone has to, man. That's I, fine. It's a... Personal opinion. Yeah, and, and you know, they're, they, they are what they are. I... I am very happy that ELO exists, so thank you, Sergeant Pepper. <laughs> what do you think, Ben? I mean, I, I, I can't not give Sergeant Pepper's a positive. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't pull it off the shelf and listen to it very often, but I, if it didn't exist, a whole bunch of stuff I love wouldn't exist. It, I think it's very important. I think that at some point in your life, you should at least hear Sergeant Pepper's. I think it's an essential listen. Yeah. Uh, it belongs in the book. I'm giving it a... It belongs in a museum! Yeah. It belongs <laughs> in a museum. Yeah, I'm going to give a, a, a big positive as well of just... You got you to gotta check it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sergeant Pepper, it might not... You're right. You guys are right about that. It, it 
represents a different era of the Beatles. And it's definitely the t- turning point of where they go from here. You know, Revolver was the last one of of uh, where they were, but it sort of transitioned, and now it's like full on. Yeah. They're, they're in there, uh, a, di- a different era. So, yeah, there's there's people who like different eras, eras of Beatles. So it's, it's funny that there are eras of Beatles for yeah, a band that for, wasn't for around for, being a band for like, yeah. yeah, six and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> they've got, they've got so this three, year. three distinct eras, each with like four albums. <laughs> like, I think I've burnt through like the uh, Deep Space Nine and the amount of time that, that it took <laughs> them to write two records in 1966. <laughs> All right. Hey, I've got a before we cut out. Yeah. I've got a cool anecdote that okay. I, I just remembered. Yeah. Uh, so this was recorded at Abbey Road Studios. Uh, Abbey Road has two recording rooms. It's got Studio A. It's got Studio B. There were three albums being recorded at the exact same time at Abbey Road Studios during what was this like a late winter, early spring of '67. The Beatles had Studio A 24 hours a day. They were in and out of Studio A of Abbey Road whenever they wanted. Studio B was split into two 12-hour blocks. Uh, During the day, I don't know when exactly the time was, but during the day, uh, the zombies were recording Odyssey and Oracle. And during the night, Pink Floyd was recording Piper at the Gates of Dawn. And that's really cool. All of that was happening in that same building at the exact same time. That's neat. That's crazy. I can't wait to talk about Odyssey and Oracle. Yeah. I think that Odyssey and Oracle is what Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band could have been. Hmm. That's my opinion. Let's pick that up later. All right. Uh, next time, we'll be talking about Country Joe and the Fish, electric music for the mind and body. All right. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> Thank you.